The Final Furlong Podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org, 18+. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emma's Kennedy. We are going to preview the weekend's racing. Kevin Blake from Out The Races and Sky Sports Racing. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello! An enthusiastic hello from Kevin as well. We are also joined by, it's the return of the Irish Fields, Rory DeLarge. Well, hello. And that was a less enthusiastic. That's, that's as good as it gets from here. It was the delay. Although, it was the delay. I thought that was one of my better ones. <laughs> it uh. would, may, maybe the delay is due to the crippling and absolutely disgraceful Irish broadband, which a lot of you have got in touch with us about. So, yeah, good luck to the Netflix of Irish racing, because this is fair proof it's not going to work. Uh, right. Well, well, I, well, I don't care, Kennedy, because I found out that I have a thousand megabyte fiber broadband coming to my road in winter 2018 you're some kiss <laughs> yeah hang on yeah, and he- you know why do you know why yeah. i will very briefly touch on this no kevin There's sent me people. this kevin sent me this and i said to him all right kev it is winter winter 2018 just for reference sake <laughs> and you clearly haven't got it yet so but do, do you know why it's coming uh, it, it's sad in a way there's quite a big business up the road for me a big quarry and a factory and they've basically been demanding it for for a while and seemingly if you if you're a rural business a big rural business you will be given uh, preference so there you go i get to piggyback on the quarry well i can tell you this there are big businesses just down the road from me here in in my local town guess what we don't have fiber optic broadband nor do i see it on the 2018 plan it's a farce this is a michael lowry job again irish politics it's an absolute joke God almighty, 6.5 meg broadband. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it on on your 4G phone uh, or wherever it is you're listening to. Hopefully you've got good Wi-Fi as this is a podcast and we'd be destroyed if we weren't able to be picked up. But seriously, it's ridiculous. Uh, The Caspian Caviar Gold Cup handicap chase at 155 at Cheltenham is where we'll start. The winner will pocket 74,000, but who will that winner be? Rory DeLarge will start with. Rather be currently 6-1. Baron Alco, who won uh, the big Cheltenham race last month, 7-1 Seven to one, Frodon ran a huge race for Brian Frost that day again. Top weight nine to one, and a good old guitar Pete who used to run for uh, poor old Desi Hughes ten to one now in the hands of Nicky Richards. Rory, your thoughts? Uh, I'm very keen on, on the chances of a horse called Mister Medic here, trained by Robert Wolford. Um, he was a very moderate hurdler, Mister Medic, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, and every now and again, you see a horse jump a fence for the first time, and you know he's going to be a completely different proposition. He won on his chase debut off a mark of 93 um, at Plumpton in October 2016, and he went straight into my notebook there. And I, I, all I wrote about him was natural chaser will run up a sequence. Um, and um, I still managed to lose money on him, I think, <laughs> even though we. Even though he's won, he's won four of his uh, next uh, seven or eight races. I missed him at Ascot on his return. He was impressive in a, a five handicap chase there. Twenty to uh, one. Um, because yeah, with Robert Wolford, his horses have been running terribly um, through the autumn. I mean, nothing was being placed. Everything was tailed off, and you thought, oh, I love this horse, but he's going to need this run. And you know, you back him in the yards, back in form, and of course, he he then won 
in great style. And the the interesting thing is, of course, Robert Walford died absolutely buying in form. He had the winner of the Beecher Chase last week, mm. um, who's a really nice horse for the future as well. Uh, and he's a horse I backed, I backed him for the Grand National last year, actually, walking the mill. Um, but, um, yeah, the three of his last eight have won now. Um, he's had a second in there as well. You are finally firing. Um, and this is a very hard horse, I think, for the handicapper to, to, to um, get a hold of because he was so wrong in the first place. 93 was absolutely no indication of how good he was. Um, a superb jumper of fence as well, as a rule, um, despite the fact that he once unseated his rider when I backed him at a, at a decent price <laughs> off a mark of 112. Um, but generally speaking, his jumping is very, very good indeed. Um, he's probably at his best on goodish grind. And the going is going to be reasonably quick at Cheltenham this weekend, all things considered, isn't it? Um, considering the time of year, unseasonably quick for, for the December meeting. So um, he's not gone up a huge amount uh, for that win in the grand scheme of things. Um, he's now rated 143, um, but gets into the, the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup of a weight of 10 stone 5. Um, James Best was seen to very good effect um, in the Beecher, gets on well with his horse as an underrated rider. Um, I, this is his big day as far as I'm concerned. Um, always liked the horse and he's finally getting his chance at a really big handicap and I think he'll, um, I think he'll do the business. Sold. I will mop up as much of that 12 to 1 as I possibly can unless Kevin Blake is able to make a very strong argument against. Uh, we've the last two winners of this race, Kevin, in Guitar Pete who is carrying one th- uh, 10 stone off rated 138 and Frodon um, who just always runs his race and is back to his beloved new course as well under Bryony Frost and after a huge run under top weight against Barnalco last time I'm sure the each way thieves will be able to get him because it'd be difficult to knock him out of the places with a mallet but your thoughts on the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup uh, I'm with Rory here to be honest oh, Max bet Max bet I won't be heard from for the next five minutes I'm off to do a bet bye <laughs> um, I, w- I won't go and repeat what Rory has said to be fair but I would make a just to answer your question about Frodon, um, he does seem very rock solid, to be fair. Um, it was a fine run last time. Um, Brian Frost seems to get on uh, notably well with him. And you'd imagine that uh, while he's had a heap of racing for a six-year-old, that maybe, maybe there could be another ounce or a couple of pounds in him to come forward enough to, uh, to run well and defy his, his um, ever-increasing mark. He's literally run off, has he? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, one sixty-seven to five pounds? You absolute clown! <laughs> Hello, where are we? Have we gone on to the hurdle yet? <laughs> you are lying. <laughs> I'm not. Listen, 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 listen. This goes. This is the thing about the uh, our great listeners. You just, you pause the podcast and you run off and you place your bet straight away and the prices tumble. And that's a great sight when we see on At The Races all the blue, just seas of blue, as long as they actually go and win for us. Um, I love it. I love it, lads. And uh, the yeah, as long as that, that account's closed, we'll, we'll go for another one. Uh, right. Unfortunately, it looks as though Lorena is going to sidestep Cheltenham due to ground concerns, which is a real shame because... Well, we just would have talked about her for about 10 minutes. Um, she's a hugely exciting filly, and hopefully we'll see her back in action soon. Uh, I know that there's a quote from Paul Tennant today saying that he doesn't think of her as a mare. He thinks of her more of a gelding. Now, maybe he's been watching the Kardashians a lot, and uh, that's fine. But she's just a big th- tank, and the fact that she was going to run here suggests that any notion that 
she would go for the mayor's race unless she was beaten. We know now that Jarrett Sullivan very much wants to go for the champion hurdle, so hopefully she'll be campaigned that way. Um, her being out is a big blow. So, Rory, this could be the new one. Swan Song is the rumor, and uh, talk of headgear, possibly. Um, take it away, my friend. It'd be great, wouldn't it, if, um, if the new one can come back and win this, and he's run so well, and it's in the past. Um, I'd hate to see him retire, but it has to come at some stage. But, um, yeah, the, the talk is very negative, given, given that um, Nige, as he's known in his family, um, is normally so upbeat about the horses. But uh, maybe he's, uh, he's trying to be sneaky this time and we're going to have a, a, a tremendous swan song. It's, it's, I don't think this is the strongest um, uh, renewal of the, the international or the Beulah, if you like. Oh, it should be the Beulah. Or indeed, or it was just called the trial hurdle in the old days. You know, it existed before Beulah. It's not the original name. Uh, it was just the Cheltenham trial hurdle. Um, and we don't know exactly what the final lineup's going to be. And Lorena would have been a would have been a really hot favourite for it. So I'd love um, I'd love it if the new one could go, come down and um, and um, prove that he's no back number just yet. Or to be honest, I, I wouldn't mind if he, he came down, and won the race, and then was retired anyway, because he's not going to win a, a, a champion hurdle at this stage. He's never appealed to me as a as a stairs hurdle horse. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no harm in in, um, in going out at the very top, as it were. This is his grade. Um, and I would absolutely love it if he if he could do that. Um, I'm struggling a bit behind him, to be honest. I um, I think Western Rider is the type of horse who could pop up in a race like this at some stage this season. And he ran really well in the um, uh, in the Great Wood. Um, I, I don't think he went wide enough that day. It was a strange race because he missed out most of the hurdles. Uh, he was always handy under under Richard Johnson. But if you're going to be handy um, in that race, you've got to get across to the the stands real before the others and he he sort of stayed in the middle of the track and that didn't help him but he ran really well um he wouldn't need to pick up uh, much on that to, to hit the frame here um but i do feel he might just be better um over this trip on on slightly softer ground uh, i know it was good in in november but he's got form on, on um on heavy ground he came home very strongly in the in the supreme um without looking you know absolutely top notch which is why you expect to get a price about him but yeah, it doesn't quite, you know. I, I, as I said, I'd rather have more rain before I got involved in him. Um, but he's interesting. He's one to, to bear in mind through the season. I think he might just be a bet for a hurdle horse. Okay. Um, not probably the ideal race for, for him later in the season. We normally get soft ground for that. His run style, um, the way he was ridden last time, will, will suit Newbury as well. But um, Somerville Boy would be would be the the pick on ratings, I suppose. But his jumping is just too ropey. Mm. Um, for me at this level um, he needs to show that he can he can pick up on that um, and he was disappointing in the uh, in the fighting fifth so slight question marks with him we have a dream was really impressive last season but has got that um, it's got the old issue of, of being a, a still a four year old against older horses and it's really tough for them particularly before Christmas um, and it's still tough come the champion hurdle so um, that makes his his task a bit tougher Old Guard just won this race before and is as good as ever, isn't he? Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see him run a big race. But it's one of those that nothing really stands out, either as tremendous value at this stage or as, as having an outstanding chance in the in the likely absence of Lorena. And it's one that I'll, I'll, be, I'll be scanning the prices 
when they come out for a scene to see if anyone's stepping out of line. But nothing really stands out to me. There's, there's three or four there who are interesting, but none of them, you know, that I would back at any price, if you like. Um, I am amazed at the lack of depth in this race. And Kevin, it kind of highlights the champion hurdle division, which we've been talking about quite a lot. And so I shouldn't be surprised because there is just a terrible lack of depth there. And this is normally where they would be stepping in. Um, Somerville Boy, is, as Rory said, is very, very interesting. But yeah, Old Guard would seem like a fairly decent each way double, possibly, with Mr. Medic. Yeah, and look, we've talked about it before. The the two-mile hurdle division in general lacks in depth, but in England in particular, oof. You have Boover Dare, obviously, but outside of him, I think at the minute, the only one uh, priced at 33 to 1 or shorter in the champion hurdle market is Somerville Boy. That's trained in England. And look, I, I'd really be hoping that Somerville Boy can, can bounce back here from what was a disappointing comeback. Um, you know, even if you allow him needing the run or what have you to finish behind Vision of Flow um, was a disappointing effort for me. Um, I want to see him bounce back here. He needs to get back on track here if he's going to be a champion hurdle horse. I think um, Tom George's horse horses can be expected to come on. I think it's fair to say uh, for one run to the next. But yeah, it's only two weeks ago. You know, it's, it's slightly surprising to see them come back this quickly. But yeah, that, that's what I'm looking for here. It's as like Rory says now. It's not a race where a bet would jump out and slap you in the face. But um, just from a purely from an interest point of view and. Um, with the with the the best interests of the champion hurdle division in mind, I hope Somerville Boy comes out here and shows that his, his reappearance was all wrong, and um, and puts a bit of a stamp on this race because we we do need um, good uh, champion hurdle horses because Boover Dare, um, as much as he impressed everyone um, two weeks ago, ideally for him, if we want to see him build this legacy that that he probably has the ability to do so, he needs the opposition there. Mm. And um, Lorena obviously would have been a leading candidate to make the step up to that mark. We're not going to see her this weekend, it seems. Um, so hopefully Somerville Boy can get back on track because he did look very good in the Supreme Novices. He had no right to win that after what happened at the second last, never mind the last. And hopefully he can get back on track here and, um, and show that he is still a contender in this division. Kevin, the unseasonably good ground continues. And we were talking about the fact that the rain was falling very heavily last week. But we're back to this same issue again, which continues to be incredibly frustrating for trainers, particularly with high-class horses like Lorena. This is a bit of a problem that they can't get a run into her. Um, it's not ideal, but Willie is never one to rush if he doesn't need to, especially with the with the better horses. I don't think he'd be upset to. Um, I don't think he'd be upset to only give her a couple of runs before there if that's what if that's what was needed. Um, it's looking increasingly likely that we may not see her until Christmas. Um, it'll be fascinating to see where they put her. Um, but I suppose if you wanted to speculate. You'd say that the the closer we get to Cheltenham, the less runs she has, makes it more likely that they would um, they might bottle it and go for the mares race. Um, <laughs> a, a serious point um, on the basis of lack of experience at the at the highest level. Uh, so that would be unfortunate. I think it's fair to say, well, that, <laughs> understatement of the year. Well, that would suit <laughs> Willie because his agenda is kind of he wants to go for that race, whereas Jared Sullivan has made it pretty clear that he wants to go for the champion. But um, the trainer 
does tend to get his way every now and again. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, speaking of Sullivan Bloodstock, they've got Duo Pretender in training with Nicky Henderson. He's the 15 to 8 favourite for the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle at 2.30. No, we haven't transferred to Cheltenham. It's just the 3 o'clock kind of Bristol Novices Hurdle. Um, I.I. Charlie for Fergal Brown, 5 to 2. Danny Wizbang, 5 to 1. Rock Point, 7 to 1. Champagne Court. Jeremy Scott, 8 to 1. Uh, Roy, did anything stand out for you here? Uh, in shorts, um, no. Um, there might be something decent coming out of the race, but nothing stands out um, for me at the moment in it, uh, especially with um, with I.I. Charlie being so disappointing. Um, last time, he's probably got the best form in the book, but... Um, uh, no, it's an interesting race to watch for me, but um, I'll be keeping an eye on on Supremely Lucky, who's quite an impressive winner over three miles at um, at Southall late last month. It wasn't the greatest race on earth, but I thought he was um, I thought he was quite impressive the way he did it, um, and he is jogged up. Uh, I was looking at the um, at the stats for the boys, um, and in the last four and a half seasons, the number of winners, both um, Dan has turned out his training. He's, he's, you know, and the um, time given that he only had his license um, in what 2000, 2014, um, and of Harry's winners, and he's over, he's over five hundred winners as well, isn't he? I think four hundred and seventy-two of those have come for um, for Dan, and only one other trainer has given has given him more than ten winners, uh, and yet he's um, he's probably the likeliest champion jockey. If and when Richard Johnson retires, so yeah. that was just a, that's an interesting aside. It's, it's got nothing to do with the race, really, but um, it's interesting that, that this horse at least has jocked up for the contest. Um, and while he's, he's he's coming from a from a a minor track in Sutherland, different kinds of hurdles as well. Um, I thought he um, I thought he had plenty to spare when he beat um, Rev last time out, um, and he'd be interesting for me. But I'm not sure. It's not a betting race, certainly at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be when I see the final decks and, and there's a daft favourite in there. But at the moment, it's just an interesting race to watch and, and um, start forming views for, for later in the season. It's a good shout about Harry Skelton being the next potential champion jockey as well. Don't worry, Richard, we're not calling for your retirement now. You, we think you're brilliant. Um, Kevin, I think that you might be interested in the Sullivan horse. Yeah, I do pretender. Um, I think he's quite likable. He's typical, I suppose, typical of that ownership in that he's come. He's a horse that was bought in France, and um, he's got better and better with every start. And he was stepped up and tripped last time at Ascot to an extended two mile five, and um, you'd have to like the way he did it. He was dropped in. He took it took a small bit of a grip, but the way he shaped in the latter stages, they they didn't seem to go. Uh, a very testing gallop they were all in a bit of a heap turning in and he just got caught a shade flat footed before the second last he was in a bit of a pocket and he just had to back out of it to come around them but at the same time he just seemed to be a little bit flat footed and he's steadily made his ground thereafter um, crossed to the near side rail and he showed a good attitude and to me, he showed to me a, a suggestion that a step up to this longer trip will suit him and if, if you look at the arc of his improvement, um, while he definitely probably does need to improve to get on top of the likes of an I.I. Charlie, um, the arc of his improvement would suggest that he can go forward both naturally and for the longer trip as well. 
I like it. Uh, I know for a fact, Kevin, that you were very, very keen to talk about the Ryman Novices Chase. By the way, both of those horses should be added to the Atheritis Tracker, uh, irrespective of what they do at the weekend. It looks as though they'll be worth following. So the Ryman Novices Chase, Kevin, you wanted to highlight this. Why? It's just the thought I have on a horse called Vindication, who, who's an obviously a very obvious horse. He's five from five. Um, but I just I, I watch back his races again now, and I could be a mile off the mark here, right? But this horse has only raced right-handed in his life. And just watching his races, you know, I think he looks a bit left-handed to me. He just, a couple, if you watch back his chasing debut with Carlisle there, David Bass was just struggling to get him on the right leg around a couple of the bends. He's, he's a li- like, this isn't something that would jump out and hit you in the face now. It's not like he's jumping wildly left at, at, at his obstacles, but there, there's just a hint of it. And it just caught my eye now that he was on the wrong leg um, going around some of those right-handed bends at Carlisle. And I just think it's really interesting now that this will be his first chance to go left-handed. And it would be a shock to me if it, if it, really, imp- if it really helps him. And um, there was an awful lot to like about that chasing debut anyway. His jumping w- was pretty accurate in the main, got in a little bit deep at a few, but when he did, he was he was clever enough. And um, it looked like it was going to be a right battle for him over the last, but he was well on top close home. Um, he's a very likable horse. Of course, he came. Um, people were, were referring back to him in recent weeks um, after Champ won. Because, of course, Vindication um, lowered his colours hmm. at Ascot last season. And I'd say he's a pretty talented horse now. And I just it wouldn't be a shock to me now if he kind of if he can find a fair bit of improvement just for going the other way around. Okay, well, I'm very, very interested in Vindication So by Vinnie Rowe. Um, Rory, your thoughts on the Ryman Novices Chase? Well, he's the um, he's the most exciting horse in the race anyway. So it's very interesting. I mean, you, you can view this two ways. You can say, listen, if a, if a trainer's got a horse of this quality and insists on running it right-handed um, for, for most of his career, you, you have to wonder whether he needs to go right-handed. But Kevin's point is very interesting that if you actually just watch how he shaped at, at Carlisle, uh, um, you, you certainly wouldn't swear that he wanted to go right-handed. And he tended to... He tended to be adjusting himself at his fences as well as if he wasn't he wasn't meeting them on a natural stride. He, he I thought he was clever, um, but as yeah, as Kevin said, it'd be very interesting to see him go the other way and see if that looks more natural for him. If it does, then he could be a bit of a monster. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of Kim's horses go right-handed more often than um, than left-handed. I think it's 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 something that the the, the um, that the trainer likes to do with a lot of his horses. They're not necessarily better suited to it, but um, and he'll go um, he'll go a long way to do that. Charbel, who won the um, the Peterborough Chase right-handed the other day, raced right-handed before that, went all the way up to Perth to run in a handicap chase right-handed um, early in the autumn as well. So it seems to be. I, I would say if you look at, um, at at the better horses in the Bailey Yard, um, you will see that they they tend to run much more often right-handed than, than left-handed. And although he, he's just down the road from Cheltenham, he doesn't have many runners at the track either. Um, so is that the setup at his yard then? Is it just that they're working that way or or is it just no, I wouldn't a, have thought a, quirk so. no. That, a, no. a quirk that he likes? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I've never heard him uh, talk about it, but it is, uh, you know, uh, and maybe it's my perception is completely wrong. I'm looking at, at particular horses and particular races and remembering the right-handed runs, but... Um, I, I think there's there's you know a preference to run them at those tracks. I don't you know maybe it's just he's um, 
he, he's clearly wary of running horses at Cheltenham for no reason. You know, if, if you've got a if you've got a half decent novice and there are a range of novice chasers, you can run them in. I think he'd rather run them at a at a, a flattish right-handed track than you know than a really tricky course like Cheltenham with with stiff fences and you know um, a range of gradients because you're just asking for. I mean, some, you know, I know people love Cheltenham, but you're asking for a bit more trouble if you're running your horses on that kind of track rather than a track that's going to be, you know, give you a much more even surface throughout. I think that might be it as much as anything, to be honest. So the but, fact um, that Vindication lines up then could be a tip in itself. Well, he's not lining up yet, is he? He's not, it hasn't been declared. Mm. So, but yeah, if he, if he does, it'll be interesting. But of course, Vindication looks like he's a, you know, he is a Cheltenham Festival class horse. Um, and... The other view is if you think you've got a horse good enough for that, you've got to you've got to give him a chance at some stage. And you know, when it comes to the festival, it's not like he's it's not like him skipping the festival with his with his decent horses. Uh, if they're good enough to run there, you want to do that, uh, especially when it's on your doorstep. But you don't necessarily um, give them their preps there. So it, it will be very interesting if Vindication runs here, and it'll be extremely interesting to see um, how how straight he I uh, jumps and how happy he is going around those left-handed fans. I think Kevin's gonna Kevin's always got an interesting point when he talks about um, horses jumping one way or the other um his uh, his comments about apples jade last year for example were absolutely spot on yep um but um yeah that, that's that's interesting i don't I, you know i'm not going to say that i hold exactly the same views but i think it's um i think i think it's a good observation i don't think um vindication didn't didn't go around carlisle like a greyhound wasn't hugging the paint three out and he wasn't he wasn't winging his fences um as a horse you know he, he didn't look like desert orchid put it that way um, so yeah, it'd be it'd be um, it'd be something else if he turns out to be a stone better horse going left hand. <laughs> yeah, how good he's looked so far. Well, I'd just be hovering over the JLT market because if he wins and bolts up, then he's going to be very very interesting. And when Kevin Blake speaks, listen. Unless your name is Matthew Syed. Uh, Kevin was also saying before we recorded the show that instead of talking about the juvenile hurdle at Cheltenham, we should talk about the two forty five at Doncaster. Um, it's a grade two, the Summit Juvenile Hurdle, and it's very, very interesting, Rory. It's all the usual suspects of juvenile hurdlers in terms of ownership that you'd expect to see. Yeah, this is um, the Summit's a race that used to be run at um, Lingfield, um, their big jumps meeting, which was almost invariably abandoned. Um, so the race got moved to Doncaster. And the irony of that is um, you end up seeing often seeing similar ground conditions or slightly quicker ground conditions at Doncaster. Uh, and this has probably been a stronger race than the, um, the, the JCB um, uh, trial at, um, at Cheltenham. Um, you know, the, the recent roll call has included Fox Norton in uh, 2013, Peace and Co, who absolutely bolted up in 2014. Uh-oh. Um, and uh, we have a dream last year. Uh, and the last, the last two named, of course, um, have run in two shades of green, um, and there are two horses declared in the Doncaster race. Um, Cracker Factory, who's been very busy um, uh, for Alan King and has um, um, has won four times and last time out finished um, uh, second in the JCB, the Prestbury uh, Juvenile Hurdle, the JCB Triumph uh, Trial, um, to Kel Destan, who's also in this. I'm not sure that I absolutely love the form of that race, to be honest. Um by definition, where it comes and 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 the the prestige it's meant to have means that it it tends to get a little bit overrated, um, uh, and I thought potentially the more interesting of of the uh, the pair, both trained by Alan King, um, for a Munir and Swed, was um, Fred Destreval, who hasn't run in the UK yet, um, but interestingly his his um, his first two runs in France came on on a sound surface, 
and the the predicted going at Doncaster is is good to firm, uh, or good good to firm in places. So it's going to be quickish ground. Um, this horse clearly handles uh, fairly quick ground. He won in his hurdles debut on on, um, on good ground in August, and um, uh, he then uh, improved on that um, when winning uh, again at Leon Paris. Um, he'd have a little bit to find on that form, you know, but it's not, it's not easy equating French and, uh, and UK form this time of the year, especially uh, you tend to look at historical pars for these grade two races. And if, if the, if the bunch of hurdlers are, are below par, um, then you end up having them too highly rated. And so far there've been a lot of horses um, of similar quality that I've seen without seeing uh, any superstars. And I wonder whether we've got them pegged a little bit too high at the moment. Um, Fred Desterval, clearly very promising, has come from the Guillaume Macaire, um conveyor belt, if you like, uh, always exceptionally well-schooled. They know exactly what they're doing, and this is a, a really dark horse for this contest. So if he lines up at Doncaster, which looks, well, I'm going to say it looks reasonably likely, he's entered. Connections love to send a good one here, and if he does line up, uh, instead of Cracker Factory, he's also in the, the Cheltenham race, then I'd be very, very interested in his chances. I like it. Kev, your thoughts? Um, I was given a bit of a chance to at least um, train by Alan King or at least say um, enter it up in boat um, like many of these and I thought showed a great attitude to pressure last time at Ludlow uh, after making a bit of a mistake at the second last um, would have been forgiven for not, not being able to muster the effort to come back and win but Julie did so and look the, the level of the form wouldn't set you a light um, normally for a race of this grade but I think perhaps as a consequence of the, the overall weather situation that we've talked about a lot um, many of the, the the nicest juvenile prospects probably haven't been out yet so I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if history looks back in this race once all is said and done and says oh geez, that was a bit of a windy renewal of that um, could well be wrong of course one of these could jump up jump out of the ground and and show themselves to be a real tip-topper. But, yeah, I, I give Elise a sneaky chance, but that, that's all. It, it, it isn't a race that I have a strong view on. Okay. Uh, I think, again, this is a case of one for the at-the-races tracker, Elise by, surprisingly enough, Shams Elise. That's it for Cheltenham. Uh, before we leave, can I make a request to the good people at Unibet? Yes, that's right. I'm speaking to you. Is there any chance... <laughs> that you could do us all a favor and next year <laughs> label the race the Unibet Beulah Hurdle. We'd be gr- very, very grateful. So much so that I would do a, I will make up a proper celebration sweeper that acknowledges the fact that you have gone out of your way to reintroduce a famous name that is always associated to this horse instead of calling it the name that Boyle Sports demanded it be changed to when they took over sponsorship of this meeting a few years ago. So next year... Oh, whoa, whoa. This, is, this is a lovely plea, but you're massively wide of the mark. It's Cheltenham that want to call it the International No, Boyle Sports, International Sports took over the sponsorship and they insisted yeah. it be called the International. Yeah. 
I don't think so. Oh, I think that's. What I think. don't think so. Okay, well, um, we're going to agree to disagree on this one then. It's either it's Cheltenham or it, it was. If it if it was Boys and Sports who insisted on the name, it's the international meeting. It's still called the international meeting, even though Boys and Sports got nothing to do with it. That's the. It's the racecourse who want to. The, the idea for this meeting is to invite horses from France and Germany and oh. the United States and wherever to race. The international that 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 name belongs to Cheltenham. They're they're the ones who are trying to market that. So right. the international hurdle is called well, the international hurdle. Well, first of all, may I issue a humble apology to Boyle Sports, Leon? It's nothing personal; it's just business. All right, and I, well, I humbly apologise to you. Unless they stole the idea of Boyle's, but I don't think so. Um, <laughs> and I humbly apologise to you. Secondly, Unibet, you have the power if you continue to sponsor this because they want your money. So go straight to their faces and say we're calling it the Beulah because I don't see any US and French Raiders in this race. So it's back to the Beulah, and we return to the proper names. And Ladbrokes, while you're at it. Call it the Hennessy next year. The Labrooks Hennessy Chase. Thanks very much. <laughs> and send a case of Hennessy, please, to my good friend Rory Delargy. Thanks very much. <laughs> oh man. I'm getting ready for I'm getting ready for talk radio and my my uh, assault on the UK airwaves. Right. Do you know um, what the oldest sponsorship in jump racing is now? The oldest current sponsorship. Oh god. Um, I know this. Oh, this would be a great question for the Christmas quiz. Say, say that again, Rory. The oldest you know, sponsorship. The current um, sponsorship in in Carl Carl Eclipse. Uh, well, the the uh, the I was thinking of the the Coral Welsh National, but the, the Eclipse must be um must be That's similar sort of time period. That's yeah. certainly in terms of jump. Nineteen seventy three, I think, was the first Coral Welsh National. Boom. So, if they drop out of sponsorship, will you insist that the new sponsors? Another book from here, call it. You've got to call it, got to call it the Pally Par Coral Wealth National. Otherwise, you're not respecting the Wait, hang on now. If Ladbrokes took over the sponsorship, then it'd be fine for it to be called the Ladbrokes Coral Eclipse or the Ladbrokes Coral. I would love. National. I would love for that Derby trial at at York in May to be called the Mecca Dante again. I thought because it was it was Mecca Dante with a dash between the two. I thought that was. I always thought that was the name Mecca Dante, and it really does. Chip off the tongue. Mecca Dante. I never heard of Mecca Dante. No, that's I'm because sure. there is no Mecca Dante. It was a bookmaker, the, the forerunners, if you like, of, of William Hill. Right. Or, or I think Mecca, Mecca, the Mecca Empire was, was split off. Mostly went to William Hill and I think a bit to Labrooks. Um, and, you know, Dante was, um, was the wartime derby winner. Great horse, Dante. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, had, he was for, for a long time the last um, northern trained. Uh, Derby winner, and um, yeah, so so was sponsored by Mecca through my childhood, and it was just the Mecca Dante, and um, that's one of those names that um, that just seems really natural, but it wasn't. It was unnatural. Well, I don't know about you, Rory, but I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to being at Sandown, a track that you and I both love, and being there for the Paddy Power Coral Eclipse. It's going to be absolutely ex- <laughs> exceptional. I can't wait. Cannot wait. <laughs> All right, Navin. Um, unseasonably good ground again. We've had a storm here at home to the point that I was afraid that the studio would actually be offline. But no, thankfully, it's um, all intact. Thank God. Uh, two mile four novice hurdle, grade two. I see Joseph O'Brien's got a few enters. So, Kevin Blake, I'm coming to you first. Um, yeah, like this race for many years was a grade one. Uh, it had a couple of not so good years. It's been downgraded to a grade two. Mm. And um, look, the, the decks will be all important here because we know Gigginstown, I'm sure, will run a few. 
and um, Woody has a few in for the Sullivans as well. So uh, it wouldn't be a shock if this cuts up a bit. Um, I think at the minute, um, nothing decided yet, but I'd say Rhinestone will run. Cool. And um, and Shungea will run as well. Do, do you remain um, excited about Rhinestone? Because when I interviewed Joseph last year, that was the horse that he was very excited about taking to Cheltenham. Is he, is he showing the right signs at home still? Oh, yeah, look, last year, he was, last season, he was the bumper horse. If, if there was a, a very, very good one, he was it. Um, he didn't come up to the mark at Cheltenham. Um, his hurling debut was adequate. Um, probably no better than that, being honest. But to me and and to many associated with the yard, he, he seems a stayer. Um, so coming up in trip will, will be a help to him, I think. But, you know, he'd want to be a big enough price here given that, you know, he, he scrambled home, really, on the Herding debut, and this is a great two. Um, and he'd be up against some very nice horses, I'd say. So and uh, he'd need to be a, quite a big price now to get me enthusiastic about him, but it, it just wouldn't be a shock to me if he's beaten here, and it kind of, it's all a part of his of his growth, if you know what I mean. You know, yeah. I think he's a horse that, that will step up. He, he certainly needs to jump better than he did on, on Herding debut. He was a bit novicey. Um, so I suspect he'll be he'll be a long term project, but he, he'll get there. Hopefully, the ability's there. It's just a case of putting it down on track. Um, your horse is there, easy game. Oh my boy! I, I think he might be vulnerable. <gasps> How dare um, you? Now, now that the nicer ones are starting to come out, um, if Commander Fleet ran, he'd be interesting because I think that the step up and trip or the return to this trip would certainly help him. Um, a steadily run Royal Bond didn't show him to go to effect at oh, all Ke- last but time. But he was beaten a long way out that day, just to because there's a couple here. There's um, Felix de 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 de, um whatever his name is. So th- there's a few Gigginstown horses here who had big reputations who've got a lot to prove. Yeah, he'll be fine though. Commander of Fleet, I wouldn't worry about him. I think Trip and a Gallop would be important to him. And um, it's only two weeks ago, so they might not rush him back out for a horse that's a big chaser in the making. So they might, so they might save him for another day. But it's um, excuse me, it, I I don't, I'm I'm struggling to have a strong opinion on this until we see the decks, um, because the the you know, there's any number of here that could be five of their deck, but I strongly suspect they won't all be declared. Hmm. Um, so it, it's it's a, a a little bit of a pass on me for this for the minute. All right, well let's see if Rory wants to sit on the fence then. Twelve thirty, Navin live and at the races <laughs> on Sunday. What is your thoughts? Um, I would like to see uh, Kevin's right. It's, it, the shape of this race could be completely different when you see declarations. There are a lot of horses in it at the moment. Uh, I'd be interested to see if uh, Prince Dobrell run. Mm. Got a very, got a very unusual um, uh, profile for a race like this. He was mm. off the track for nearly three years um, after winning, after beating um, Aidan O'Brien trained runners in his last two uh, bumper starts. Um, he was uh, well above average as a bumper performer. He didn't beat an awful lot when he made his hurdles debut in May, as you would expect. You don't tend to get strong uh, maiden hurdles in, in May time. Uh, but he won that very easily at Tipperary and showed that he was, uh, for the time being, certainly over over whatever kept him off the track. Um, and I just have a, a feeling with a horse that came in, if, if the talent remains, and the impression was the way he won at Tipperary, that um, he, hadn't, he hadn't lost an awful lot. Um, he's a bit more mature than some of these in terms of his his development you know just by definition if you if you've got a bit of quality you know at, at the age of eight turning nine um it's not unlikely sort of uh, age to be to be aimed at um at grade one novice hurdles at the uh, at the festivals in the spring 
Um, but he might just be ahead of the curve a little bit. Uh, he's, he's, he's not one necessarily to be, to be thinking of in terms of, um, uh, of, of very big races down the line. But um, they want to make up for lost time with him if they can. Um, and given the quality that he had, I thought it was interesting that Willie was, um, was keeping the faith with him. So, um, you know, just because he's in the entries doesn't mean that he's, he's likely to be declared. It doesn't even mean that he's 100% fit at this stage. But I thought he was an interesting, an interesting runner on paper. And if he turned up, um, he'd be a difficult one to, to work out. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd be keen to keep an eye on him. But it's not an easy race to bet in at this stage. No, not at all. Um, I would hope if easy game runs that Ruby will ride him. But if he were to ride Prince de Arabia, uh, then that would be uh, particularly interesting. That's my new way of getting out of it, Kevin. I've just decided to just do it that way instead. <laughs> Don't breath. It's not that hard. No, it's yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because um, it's because you have to dig the French accent out every. Well, if you there. just if you just bring out the um, the Blackadder style of pronouncing it, then you're all right. Uh, yeah, eight. Yeah, races. whereas you're in fairness, you're more the hello hello way of pronouncing it. Hello hello. <laughs> oh Jesus! Innuendo all over the place. Uh, I keep the faith with Easy Game. I think he's still a very exciting horse, and um, yeah, I thought Willie's comments about him and. Quick grab them afterwards were, were interesting. So we'll see. We'll see who lines up 12.30. It's live on Arthur Races. On Sunday, uh, the 3.10, we'll get to see again what £400,000 sterling looks like an Envoy Alain, uh, who looks as though he's trying to add to his education. It took him a while to get the hang of things first time up, Kev. And it looks as though he's back at the weekend at Navin for Jamie Codd and Gordon Elliott. Oh, yeah. Like I, I'd, I'd be a bit surprised if they ran him back after two weeks now. Um, I know, like the, they wouldn't have entered him for the crack, but mm. I think when the when they talk about it tomorrow morning, I just think they could well do so now. But I just thought he would be one that you'd wait until Christmas with. You know, there, I, he just looks like a horse that you wouldn't want to be in any sort of a rush with. Um, very much a, a long term prospect, and I don't know, you know, for for connections that it wouldn't be wouldn't be desperate to win the the seventeen grand in winners prize money here. Um, I wouldn't. Be, I, I'd expect um, them to take a slightly more patient approach. Could be totally wrong, and if he runs, he'll probably win because he looked a proper horse at Fairy House. But I just would. Do, I would. Yeah, it'd be quick enough for him to come back now. I think for the type of horse he is. Okay. Anything else on the list then that that interests you? Um. I uh, look again. Dex will will dictate here with the big and sound horses and everything else. But Joseph has midnight run entered. Um, he could well run. He made a nice start um, on his debut at Galway, I thought. Um, wasn't, you know, it was a, a little bit of a surprise that he did it the way he did. Um, but he was quite good. Showed a good turn of foot. Um, showed good gears to get into the race. Um, Galway isn't an easy place to go first time, um, which is why you'd always be a little bit reserved in your expectations going there with a horse on their debut. But um, he was good now. He was He was nice. And a while he wouldn't be a prospect to compare with the likes of Envoy Allen, I, I think it's probably fair to say. Um, he is a nice horse in his own right, and I'd look forward to seeing him if, if he runs. But again, um, just, there's some lovely horses entered up in here, but it's just hard to know what's going to run. Hmm. Um, tell me a little bit more about Midnight Run. Does he, does he show that at home? Because obviously he wasn't a point-to-pointer. He didn't race on the flat. Um, Gigginstown picked him up earlier this year was it and he was as you said he was very very impressive at Galway yeah he's a half brother to carefully select it um, that, that good bumper horse of William Mullins' mm-hmm. last season and uh, look he, he shows he shows enough like but you know like, 
they wouldn't be they wouldn't get a hard squeeze now right. at home before they go to the races with, with Joseph generally. So you go and you, you find out on the racetrack you don't leave you don't leave um too much behind on the gallops at home. You you go to the races and you find out. So um I know people will look and see who's a seven to two shot, but um it was one of those that's the and that's the other thing, like market moves and these newcomers can be exceptionally odd. Exceptionally odd. Um, there you, you'd see cases some horses now that are aren't showing much at all. At the likes of Dundalk now, they really aren't showing much at all. And someone somewhere starts punting them. That makes no sense whatsoever. And, yeah. and they run as as they were expected to run at um, a significantly shorter price than one would have expected them to go off. So, um, as I've said before in the pod, just it, with these markets, especially at the smaller meetings, it would be very ill-advised to assume that the market is reflecting um, expectations. The expectations of those that are close to the horse, because it, it and it's a very common thing. If you talk to every trainer in the country and raise that point with them, I'm sure they'd almost all have a, a funky example um, where either they, where, where they, where they, you know, a horse was completely unfancied basically and, and was heavily punted. Um, a lot of the time, it, it's a strange thing. I don't really know how to explain it, but it's 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 a reality. Well, it um, happened. But, it happened last week at Dundalk when Equitant was the, the second choice because Donica was riding Kingsfield and Kingsfield drifted out to 9-4 to four and Equitant went into 15-8 to eight. and I was talking to Donica beforehand and he was saying well this is the one Joseph put me on so I'm just going to do what Joseph told me to do like there was no there was nothing to suggest that that's how things were going to play out and Kingsfield goes and wins it, it is weird and it, it happens with Jim Bulger's stable as well and, and with others just there's I think people think they're getting info when they're not, or or people like to think that they're in on a gamble that they're not, and it's it's weird. It's it's the more yeah, we look I, into I this, know. it's a strange I, one. Yeah, I, I just I just think I don't really like the narrative of if a horse is well backed and wins. Oh, connections have had a write off of if it's um you know if, if the opposite if they drift and run bad. Oh, connections mustn't fancy this one. You know, that, it's just not necessarily the case. Like not every set of connections are, are betting connections, hmm. and uh, the market is more so dictated by what the, the big players on the exchanges are doing very close to the off more so than anything else. And generally, I'm sure they're, they're often armed with, with some element of inside info, but a lot of the time they're just backing their opinion. And that opinion may well completely contrast with what those close to the horse feel. Um, but, but there you go. It's just, you, you, you'd never hear me say something like, oh, connections have had a write-off there because I just don't from experience that in reality um, the market doesn't, doesn't always match up with, with what's actually expected. Yeah, the the market tends to be the sheep, and you're just, as a general rule, you're better off not following in the sheep. Um, there's a an interesting thing I wanted to bring to everyone's attention. Gordon Elliott has five entered. The reason this is interesting is because Gordon has won this race with Don Cossack, Debt Judy, Sam Crow, Rapid Escape. So whoever he runs has to be very, very interesting. They're the only winners that he's had in this race in the last 10 years. Norville will be losing his mind over one of these horses for Cheltenham. Um, Rory, your thoughts on the race? Uh, n- not any particularly strong view, other than to say I love Batshio. He's he, he's got a, a big race in him somewhere down the line. It's not going to be another bumper. Um, he's he's back in here having raced a couple of times over hurdles, but I do like Batshio as a uh, as a prospect. And of course, he's um, I imagine he's going to be ridden by. Um, by the owner's son again, isn't he? Which is always so. always a joy to watch. Aubrey's up, the money's down, the frightened bookies quick. 
<laughs> you nice can forget job. the rest of that one, but um, yeah. Um, the, that's the uh, that was the, the the poem or the song they made about Cottage Drake, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, written by Aubrey Brabazon back in the day. But um, Aubrey McMahon strikes just the same fear into the hearts of boogies across the land, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, jo- pro- joking aside, God, there. I, I, uh, there's a there's a good race in Baccio somewhere down the line. He he, he um uh he won his point, didn't he? Um and he's a real long term prospect. He's he's not a he's not your typical bumper horse at all. And the fact that he's um uh that he's managed to, to win a couple um is very promising for the future. And I think he's um I think when he goes chasing in time, um, which will probably be this time next year, um, he'll be um he'll be a horse worth horse worth keeping an eye on. Wouldn't be surprised to see him line up in something like the National Hunt Chase. No. A year or two down the line at Cheltenham, you know. So um, I don't really know what is, and obviously he looked, he looked a stayer in points. Um, he's obviously shown a fair bit of speed um, in in bumpers, but um, he, he, as I said, I don't think he's a bumper horse. And I think um, I think he's a horse who'll be around for a while and um, might um, might give uh, his uh, his owner and his owner's son a lot of fun down the line. Okay, well he's definitely going in the Anthracis tracker. So nicely done. Uh, yeah, he's not. He's, It'd be, it'd be a massive surprise if he was if he was winning a race like this. But you know, yeah. just, just um, long term prospect. He's one. He's one who long term will will pay his way. And I think there might just be there might be a nice gamble landed somewhere um, with this horse over obstacles. Okay. All right. We're we're going to be keeping a very very close eye on him. But it's all about the obstacles for him. We'll take the poll night when he, he does. <laughs> and Rory will recite it in full on the final forum. We'll rewrite it. Never mind recite it. We'll <laughs> yeah. Have it oh, sorry. Of course, a rewritten recital from uh, Rory. That all rhymes. Um, interesting to see Queen's Boulevard, one for Entourage fans. Right, uh, that's the weekend's racing. Who are you most excited about seeing? Rory Delargy. Mr. Medic. Oh, love it. Kevin Blake. I might say it's short enough price now, but just because I'm intrigued by how the theory is going to work out, I'll go with Vindication. Oh, excellent. Excellent. That's going to be a race to to sit back and watch in depth for sure. Um, Obviously, it's easy game. He's, he's, he's the hashtag. It's easy game. We got to go with them. He's, he's the phrase on the final Furlong podcast mugs, which well done to our winners on Monday. Those mugs are on the way to you, I think, next week. So hopefully you should have them before Christmas, as long as you don't live in Australia, in which case you'll get them in 2021. Um, very briefly before we go, Rory DeLarge, your thoughts on city racing? <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I know it's easy to to take the piss out of these things. Um, I'd watch it. I do. Do I think it's going to change the world and change the world of horse racing? Probably not. But um, I'd watch it. You know, I, I wouldn't thought... like to be in it. I wouldn't like to be an investor in it. But I'd go and watch it. I think it's. I think it's interesting. Um, I just wouldn't like to be. I wouldn't like to be hanging my hat on it as being a game changer for our great sport. <laughs> I really wouldn't want to be hanging my hat on it. And Rory made a really good point. Where are you going to watch it? Because like they want people to watch it on the street. Therefore, it's going to be like a rally. Like, like you're not going to see the finish if you're in a particular position. It's ah, sure. People line up beside those that line the roads of the Tour de France and desperately know, those, hoping those, to those, get on TV. Those Olympic road, <laughs> those Olympic road races. You know, so I'd go. And I think it's kind of cool if it if it gets people close to the action because I think um, uh, the modern day man and woman um, are a little bit 
far removed from the actual physical act of horse racing. And I think it, it's it, it's a bit like pe- telling people to go out into the middle of the track for the, the cross-country race at Cheltenham. You know, it's, it's a good insight to get. You know, some people might have watched racing for years and years on TV, but it, when you when you stand them down beside a rail and a horse flies past them at um, at top speed, it's 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 one of those whoosh moments that can kind of that can enchant people a little bit and get them a little bit more understanding of the the, the realities of it. So I I'm not against it. Good luck um, if the people want to invest and give it a go. Um, who am I to take the mick out of them? Uh, and like I say, I, I I would definitely go and watch. Rory, your coin your counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, on the on the point, I, I agree with the, the idea of seeing horses close up can make a, a massive difference. The problem with this is they're all five furlong sprints, and the horses will be roughly in a line as they pass you a furlong from the start, so they're gone in in a fraction of a second. Whereas when they've done, you know, this is based on on um, uh, a show jumping competition in which the horses are reasonably close to you, and they're going round and round in circles, and you're seeing them constantly um, for I don't know a couple of hours or so whereas here you're seeing them for half a second every half hour and that you know that there's a big difference in that I, I, yeah i do take the point it's that's horse race in general isn't it <laughs> well not quite because you know most people most people put themselves somewhere where they can watch even if you go out in the, into the the infield and stand by a fence you get to see the horses jump that fence a couple of times and you get to see the front runners and the back markers and then you can turn around and watch them as they disappear the other way but if you're yeah, standing I, on the street I, I, and, it's, and it's just five furlong races then it's 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 over so quickly you don't get any appreciation of the horses at all i suppose you'd hope that they would have big screens and tannoys yes. and all yeah. that stuff to um to to facilitate those that are down the track and away from the finish but yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting it's just, I, it's, it's, I just i just think that, that is a selling point but it's a selling point that kind of when you do it you think ah oh, okay and what, not, what standard of horse are we going to get to see? It's not going to be very good. Well, that's the thing. That, that doesn't matter, does it? I think it does. Why don't you just stick... Why for, not for just stick is, people... I don't think it matters. Stick people on a bus to Subtle and let them stand by the rail there as they, as they race <laughs> close to Nottingham City Centre. Um, one suggestion I made um, is you'd actually be better off for, for, uh, for both city racing and, and whatever else they want to do don't try to rope in horses who who've already got programs mapped out for them uh, and mess around with with um, the horse population. There doesn't uh, Kevin's right. Doesn't matter what quality they are. If you're if, if it's people who've never seen it before, as long as they're capable of running for the duration of the race and not stopping having a crap in the middle of the course <laughs> or whatever, then it'll be exciting. It, they don't have, people don't know whether, whether they're rated 110 or rated 45. They can uh, stick in Arabs. So oh, yeah, you can. Or you could ship a load of horses in from South America or from, from the Middle East or wherever it happens to be and just travel them around the country and run them. That would work better. You've got no, there's no um, uh, issue with, with um, forcing owners to run their horses in, in races that they're not really interested in or, you know, uh, especially with this, the, the, the other, um, uh, the series where you're looking at, oh at um, sequestering, sequestering 300 horses um, for for um, hundred grand races. So you, who you, came you, up? Who came up with that idea? The jockey club supports it, and, and, and then, it's an idea that and then went out. Wait, sorry, just it. just to say, just, they then went out and publicly said, "Yeah, we're doing this," only to have one of the biggest owners in the sport say, "What the hell are you people talking about?" Yeah, like, this is absolute this, madness. 
it wouldn't in fairness it wouldn't be a terrible idea if you if you sat down and go right um this this will need at least three years planning because it will it will, will need to sort of tear up the the program for this kind of horse mm. and have these races at a certain time and and do it on a thursday evening or whatever and plan show it on tv and that that would all work if you had if you got everyone to buy in and you planned it long in advance but anything like this is meant to make a quick buck so they're saying oh, we're, we're doing it we're doing it next summer there's absolutely no chance of doing it next no summer. And the first thing that anyone would say when the idea comes up, we've got to do it next summer. But it's not going to happen then, is it? Yeah. If you want to do it next summer, you needed to come to us two years ago with the idea. And, and essentially, ideas like this need to come from within um, the jog club race courses or um, ARC or the BHA. They need to come from within racing in the first place. They need to be um, tested uh, then you do feasibility studies, and then when they get when people say, "Oh, that's not a bad idea," then you press forward with them. You can't have you can't have marketing people coming in going, "I've got a brilliant idea that will make me loads of money from sponsors." Um, let's do it, and then I'm, try I'm to very you glad. To I'm very glad you said that because that's exactly what this is. That's exactly yeah. what this is. It's, it's a marketing crazy. stunt, and they're they're running before they can walk. Like you have to, you ha it's so insulting. To owners, you have to tease this out. You have to go to people. Uh, but at, at, at the same time, though, Kenners, I wouldn't say insulting to owners because they're they're pitching this that every race is going to be worth a hundred grand. There's going to be an awful lot of owners that are very interested in that. It's going to be an awful lot of owners that want their horses to run in colours that they know are going to win a hundred grand. Yeah, we'll see. Give it a chance. It's not something that would immediately appeal to me either, but I don't want to be slagging it before we actually see it pan out. I Again, I'm if, all if people, if I'm people all want to invest, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I, it has to be, to be well thought out, Kevin. We can't, we can't yeah, get yeah. into oh, a trap. Yeah, that, we that, cannot that get into a trap saying, in the sport yeah. where people just decide, yeah, I'm going to plow a load of money into it, but there's no thought process to it. So there you go. Hey, you want my cash? We're doing this. Yeah, I think that it's probably unfair. I think that there's plenty of thought has gone into it. May, is it enough? I don't know. I no. haven't seen the specifics on it. Uh, so we'll give him a chance. We'll give him, I, well, I'll, I'll certainly yeah. give him a chance. All right, Rory, Rory and I are going to be like Father Ted and Dougal. We'll have our little placards down with this sort of thing. Somebody do a meme. Tied to the two furlong pole on the on the mall. I mean, where would you have? Where exactly would you have city racing? And the other thing that occurred to me is that no one's really talked about how you know in terms of feasibility is you'd have to run up Piccadilly or something like that, wouldn't you? You'd need. You'd do it. You'd do it in. In in, um, in St James's Park or something, like that, you would need at least a mile mm -hmm. to get these horses um, racing over five furlongs and then being able to pull up afterwards. Uh, yeah. And you'd also the idea that you would have it on a proper street with with big buildings either side <sighs> and a crowd uh, behind barriers is absolutely crazy. Because if one person gets killed in an accident. And you think, oh, this this would be good publicity for racing. You don't need to kill many people for that to go horribly, horribly wrong. And the idea of of, of racing behind, you know, uh, with with massive barriers that have to um, protect the public and the horses, uh, you, you couldn't just have plastic running rails. So yeah, if in, anything in, went in, wrong, you would have you would have fatalities. Yeah, that's terrible. No, it's terrible. In, not... in this day in this day and age, you'd be in danger of having someone jump out in front of a horse and protest, oh, exactly, yeah. in, in protest against uh, against Fairy Tale in New York. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, McDermott, you absolute tosser! It's the greatest <laughs> Christmas song of all time. <laughs> There's a guy in Ireland campaigning to have it start. He's on national radio. 
<laughs> oh, I think it might be offensive, you know. Get a grip! Get a grip for yourself! And while you have that grip, use it to do something that terminally hurts you. God almighty! Who lets these people on national radio? <laughs> the same can be said for some of us. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, in, with regards to city racing, can we not just do what they do with the World Cup? Can we not just erect massive screens in a park and encourage people in during the Cheltenham Festival or Derby and have ex-jockeys who are excellent pundits who just happen to be available on those days and presenters who can MC the whole thing and then if you want, you have a DJ like David Guetta afterwards to perform and you put up big screens and you show ATR, Sky Sports Racing, ITV, whoever it is that's showing it that day, and encourage people to go in and learn that way. Why do we have to have a race in the city when it's not like they're encouraging football in the streets of London? We can just do this, can't we? Can we just have a park with huge screens and make a big thing about it and encourage people to come in? But then you, you don't you don't get near the horses then. That's, that's uh, the whole selling point, isn't well, it? Well, then bring a horse there. The have horses. a horse. Have a, have a couple Drink of horses horse. over in a paddock and they're drinking their water and show them what they're like. <laughs> Old retired horses. Bring out Sire de Grugy. Bring him out and he can be there and say, well, he won the champion chase back in the day. People thought he couldn't do it and he did. And here he is up close and personal. Walk him around. That's just is it the, cheaper this has and tur- This has turned into one of those uh, think tank meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to I the... Got a, I got a great one. I got a great one. Right, lads, we're going to make billions off this. By the way, uh, that is a trademarked idea. And if you run with it, uh, there are two witnesses and millions more because millions listen to the Final Front podcast. So I want 20% of all profits made. Uh, that's it. We're done. Thanks very much. We're back on Monday. Uh, when we will review the weekend's racing with Kevin and the Christmas schedule is coming along very, very fast. Rory was talking about Christmas holidays. Um, Not in a good way, in the sense that his kids will be all over the place and shouting and roaring. And obviously, Rory's very much looking forward to that, but at the same time, it's not that far away. So the Christmas Final Forum podcast schedule is pretty much done. I can announce that there will be the return of the Diesel Kid. Yes, He's coming back. He's coming back for a special appearance on the Final Forlum Podcast. Uh, There will be the Final Forlum Podcast Christmas quiz. What's interesting about it this year is that Mr. Adam Webb is doing the questions. Now, Adam is a man Uh of integrity, which means he will not share the answers with you. But it also means that Kevin and I are completely screwed because we won't have the answers either. And we won't see them (laughs) until we start recording. So we're balls. I think I got 11 right last year. No, no, no. You didn't your arse. No, it was actually, it was, I got 15 right last year and Vanessa got 16. That's a lie. I'm, I'm going to go with that. Someone listen back to it and correct me. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Adam, don't make it too tough, but thank you for stepping in and doing that. Um, pleasure talking to all of you, as always. From Roy DeLarge. Goodbye and good luck. With a hot brandy in his hand. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. As he currently engages in a battle with Matthew Syed on Twitter while recording this very podcast. And for me, Emma Kennedy, I'll be in Dundalk with the legend Johnny Murta Friday night on Get In for Friday Night Lights. Looking forward to it. See you then. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the racing. Thanks for listening. God bless. The final Furlong podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30 to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org 18+. 
Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.